Well, this morning, brothers and sisters, we are looking at, um, and I know, I, I feel like I say this often, but uh, it's true, uh, maybe because I like a lot of, well, pretty much everything that's in the Bible. <laughs> so, um, so this is one of my favorite passages, <laughs> So, but I, I feel like I say that a lot, like I said. But we are going to look this morning at the Gospel of John, chapter 21, John chapter one, 21, verses 1 to 19, and uh, we are going to look at uh, a pretty important and significant moment for the apostle Peter especially, but but really not just for the apostle Peter, for all of us. There are significant repercussions of this interaction between Jesus and Peter for all of us. Uh, of course, one of the significant uh, implications for this is that Jesus really gives uh, Peter, a very important place in uh, in the newly burgeoning church that is about to exist, right? Uh, Jesus, of course, has had his disciples along with him. He's had, you know, the three with whom he is very close. He's had the twelve with whom he has ministered day after day throughout Jerusalem or throughout Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, Israel, and, and, uh, and, you know, healed and so on and so forth. And he has had the 72, you know, whom he sent out to do various ministry and so on. But particularly Peter gets a significant role here that will play out and we'll talk about a little bit later throughout the early church history. But it also has implications for us in more concrete and direct ways. But we'll talk about that in a few minutes. Meanwhile, turn with me to uh, John chapter 21, verses 1 to 19, which you can follow along in your pew Bibles or uh, on the screen here as well. Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them, and they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved, which is John's little short form for himself, uh, not because he's like, oh, Jesus loved me, but because he's like, wow, Jesus loved me, even me. But anyways, so the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, Peter excuse me, uh, it is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him for he had taken it off and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from the shore, about a hundred yards. 
When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore all by himself. The net that they couldn't haul into the boat with all of them. Anyways, so Simon Peter does that. It was full of large fish, 153. But even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He meaning the other disciples. Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, he said Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, Feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. The word of the Lord. Amen. Well, well, there's brothers and sisters, there's so much in this passage that we could pull out. Right. We could talk about, for example, how this is the third time that Jesus has appeared to them. And yet here they are sitting around, not preaching the gospel, but rather kind of twiddling their thumbs now back in Galilee and not any longer in Jerusalem, but nonetheless twiddling their thumbs until Peter says, well, I'm going out to go fishing, which was their old trade and not their new trade. Their new trade is sharing the good news. So we could spend a whole bunch of time talking about the reality that here they are having the resurrected from the dead, Jesus having appeared to them for two times and appearing to them for a third time and they still aren't out preaching the gospel and ugh, yuck, right? We could spend time talking about that. We could spend time talking about how when when Jesus confronts Peter with the do you love me questions, Jesus does so in an escalating way each time. Right. He, he asks them, do you love me? But he uses different words for love each time, sort of upping the ante. Right. Do you really love me? Right. Do you love me? Do you really love me? Do you love me so much that you would give absolutely everything for me? 
right? We could spend time talking about that and we can talk, of course, about Peter's reaction because Peter has some some genuine issues to deal with because remember what Peter did during the whole uh, the whole lead up to the crucifixion, right? Peter says to Jesus, of course, and we could spend time talking about this for a long time too. Peter says to Jesus, though everyone goes away, I will never abandon you, Lord. And Jesus says to him, yeah, I love you, Peter, but really, truly, you are going to deny me three times before the rooster crows. And sure enough, Peter does. And when he realizes, when the rooster crows and he realizes what he has done, he weeps bitterly. We can talk about the parallel between Jesus asking these increasingly intense questions about Peter's love for him and how those those correlate and, and correspond uh, to the, the denials and Jesus in or Peter's increasing um, emphasis on how he does not know Jesus. But what we're going to focus on this morning is we're going to focus on a couple of things. We're going to focus on the kinds of relationship that Jesus calls us to with him and we're going to focus on restoration because really in some significant ways that is what this passage is all about it is about restoration of a certain kind of relationship with God between Peter and Jesus brothers and sisters Hopefully you remember that we talked about on Easter how Jesus came to, to do a number of things. One of the things that we, we talked about was that Jesus showed us in his life and in his dying what it really means to be human. What it really means to be human. Because in our brokenness and in our fallenness, we forget, right? We, we have these silly things where we think, well, I'm only human, right? And, and that sort of somehow excuses our, our bad behavior, our greed, our selfishness, our lying, our whatever. Well, I'm only human after all. But that is precisely the opposite of human. Right? Human means that we are made in God's image. Human means that we are created to love, to love with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength, our God and Father in heaven, and to love one another, to love each other as ourselves. Right? And to care for the world that God has created. Right? So Jesus came to show us what it means to be human. Jesus also came to show us just how much, how insanely in a way from the world's perspective how insanely much God loves us God loves us so much remember that God would send his son to to empty himself of everything becoming in very nature a servant right he he descended from heaven where his throne is and became a human being it's like you or me descending to become an ant Except without the superhuman strength. 
right? It, Jesus emptied himself of all that, but then he not only did so, he walked around and, and served us for the 33-ish years of his life. And not only that, but he has submitted himself to our degradation and our humiliation of him. And he submitted himself to death on the cross while we were shouting for his crucifixion. And in doing so, he shows us just how much God loves us. But one of the things that we didn't talk about super explicitly is we didn't talk super explicitly about the kind of relationship God insists on having with us. And and this is where I, I think, unfortunately, sometimes as Christian Reformed people, many of us of a Northern European, Dutch, Frisian, whatever background, this is where we kind of skate along in an area that is really ultimately unacceptable, biblically speaking. You see, we have this sort of idea and, and it's, it's rooted partly in Stoicism. It's rooted partly in, uh, partly in a Calvinist work ethic. We have sort of this idea that really, ideally, we ought to be fairly independent. And we ought to hide our feelings fairly well. And we ought to pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps. And we ought to not, not lay out all our dirty laundry for the world to see. And here's a symptom of this. Here is a symptom of this. I know for a fact that so many of you, including myself, are so willing to help out somebody who is in need. Absolutely. We see you in need. We will help you out right away. No problem. But what happens if you are in need? What happens if I am in need? Do I reach out for help? Do you? Are you willing to accept help from others? Or do you say, oh, it's not a big deal. Oh, I don't want to bother you. Oh, I don't want to be an inconvenience for you. No, no, we can handle it. It's it's fine. It's okay. It's right. We don't even tell anybody about it. We don't want to make a big fuss about it. Right. But Jesus demands and God, the father demands Actually, an incredibly intimate relationship in which you and I are completely dependent upon him. Completely dependent upon him. Now, this is something that is a bit of a struggle for us, but it is rooted in so many truths in Scripture. For example, Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3, I think it is. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3, the writer of Hebrews talks about how Jesus is the Word of God and how everything is sustained 
through Him. Right? The reality of things, and I've said this before, and hopefully we'll remember it, right? The reality of things is that if it were possible for God to uh, be distracted from sustaining us, we would stop existing right then and there. If it were possible to say, hey God, and then he, he looks and stops paying attention to us, we would cease to exist because he is actively, currently, right at this moment, keeping you together. Every molecule, every atom, every part of you, every organ, it is all being kept together by God. And so really, literally, you and I are absolutely dependent upon him. Anything that we might do could not be done if it wasn't for God keeping us going. So very literally, we are totally dependent upon God. But beyond that, God has given us, and this is mysterious... We believe both in predestination, that is, that God has a plan for us and He has things in store for us, and we also believe in free will at the same time. And so somehow, mysteriously, God gives us free will. Right? Bit of a head-scratcher there. But, but, He does. He gives us some form of free will so that we can choose various things. And one of the things that he wants us to choose, desperately wants us to choose, and really knows that we need to choose it for ourselves, is to love him. He wants us to choose to love him. Totally and completely. That is why over and over again in the Gospels and in the Scriptures, we hear Jesus and others saying that the primary command, the thing that we need to do is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul and strength. And you can't do that if you are independent And you can't do that if you are not honest and vulnerable with God. If you're going to be stoic, if you're going to pretend that you've got it all under control, if you're going to delude yourself into thinking that you have control over anything in this life, then really you're not going to have the kind of relationship with God that God wants you to have. It it, it used to be, and thank goodness this is not the case so much anymore, it used to be that we would have these youth rallies and and all kinds of stuff like this where the the speakers would teach the kids, they would say, or or the adults or whatever, they would say, hey, if you just pray the prayer of, of saying, Lord, I repent of all my sins, Lord, I give my life to you, and, and then Jesus would forgive you, and then that would be that. You'd be done. You'd, you'd have your cosmic insurance policy. I prayed the prayer. Good. Check mark. Right? And that is good, and that is important, but that's not where it ends. That's where it starts. Right? And then God demands, not because he's greedy, not because he's selfish, but because it is good and right. It's what we are created for. It's what we need. God demands that we grow in the intimate relationship that we have between us and him. 
And this is where we get back to this passage about Peter and Jesus. How many times have you or I done something absolutely horrible to someone we love tremendously? Like, I'm not talking about little white lies. I'm not talking even about, like, significant lies. I'm talking about something horrible. You betray the person whom you love the most in the world. And they know it, and you know it. I can't think of anything at this moment more vulnerable than that. I love you desperately and I have betrayed you brutally. It would not be unusual for that relationship to be ruptured to such a degree that it can never be repaired on this earth. It would be understandable to walk away and say, forget it. But here Peter is, and you can tell, you know, you know that he so desperately loves Jesus. As soon as he hears that it's Jesus, as soon as John says it's Jesus, you know, Peter's out of the boat and he's running to go into the, into, into the shore and see Jesus, right? He's leaving behind the others who are probably like, Peter, come on, we got this huge thing. We got these, this net of fish. We got to drag it in, right? But Peter heads in. And he's got to see Jesus. And then, after some breakfast, Jesus Jesus does the thing that they both know he needs to do. He confronts Peter. He says, Peter, and, and, and he's so kind and he's so gentle. He says, Peter, do you love me? And Peter knows exactly what this is about. Right? Remember, Peter went away crying bitterly. He betrayed Jesus. And Jesus says, do you love me? And by the third time, Peter is desperate. You know everything, oh God. You know all things. You know I love you. And justifiably as he could have, Jesus does not reject Peter. Instead, he embraces him with the words, feed my sheep, take care of my lambs. You see, brothers and sisters, it's not okay for us to have God as our kind of cosmic insurance policy. I got baptized. Oh, I did my profession of faith. Oh, oh, my relationship with God is such that I have accepted His salvation and that's about it. The rest of my life I carry on just same, same. No, 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 no. 
Because the reality is that all of us, every single one of us, has betrayed God in exactly the same way as Peter. I mean, we maybe didn't have the, the fire and the synagogue and the, the Sanhedrin and, the, and the, the confrontations of the people and, and all those specific details. But every single one of us, the Bible says, have sinned and gone astray. And, and sin is really ultimately the breaking or bending or busting of relationships between us and God, between us and other people, between us and ourselves. And between us and this creation, that's what sin is. You're breaking relationship and we've all done it. And God says to you, God says to me, God says to us, I will restore you. I will love you. I, yes, you need to love me. It's what you need for you and for me. But I want to get back to that place and even better where I can walk and talk with you in the cool of the garden, in the day. And we can have relationship that is deeper and more intimate than even your relationship with your spouse or anyone human. And so this is the question. When has your moment of restoration or reconciliation happened? And really, it's kind of a silly question because there's not really one moment, right? There may be a particular moment that is the biggest in your memory. That's quite possible. But the reality is each and every day, there are going to be the opportunities for those moments of reconciliation and restoration as you go But where is your moment? Where are your moments of reconciliation and restoration? When have you bared your heart before God and wept bitterly over your sin? Where have you vulnerably and honestly said, you know all things, God, you know I love you. I know this looks like I'm a pathetic loser in terms of my faithfulness to you. I know that I have sinned. I know that I have broken covenant with you. I know this, God, but you know that I love you. Where has that happened? And if that has never happened in any way, shape, or form, other than maybe praying the prayer then brothers and sisters, we've got to think about going deeper with God. We've got to think about being more honest with ourselves and with our Savior. When you come to heaven, God does not want you to be His casual acquaintance. Right? Hey, God, what's up? No. God wants to be the friend who is closer than a brother. God wants to be your Savior and Lord. God wants to be your King and your friend. God wants to be closer than a husband and wife. 
And that means sharing everything. It means being utterly and totally, excuse me, vulnerable and honest. Now, this is not a guilt message. You don't need to walk away from this feeling like, well, my relationship with God is not there. That's it. I'm a write-off. Right? That's not how it works. Thank goodness. Right? Remember the disciples. They've been there. Uh, you know, they, they hung around for a while in Jerusalem being afraid of the authorities and Jesus appeared to them. Right? And, and before that, the, the ladies told them that Jesus had risen from the dead and they didn't believe them. And, and then after that, Jesus appears to the disciples on the road of, to Emmaus. And even though their eyes were opened, they're like wondering what's going on. Right? And, and, and nobody is really seemingly preaching the good news. Nobody is sharing the good news. None of them are in this place where they really get it, right? Because they're up there fishing in the Sea of Galilee. And yet Jesus comes to them again and says, hey, Peter, do you love me? And Peter doesn't still get it. He still doesn't get it, right? It takes until Pentecost, until the coming of the Holy Spirit, when finally Peter gets it. But then, but then Peter has this great preaching opportunity and he shares the gospel with hundreds, thousands of people and so many people come to believe. And then later on, Paul has to come and yell at him because he's decided, oh, I better not eat with the Gentiles because they're unclean. Right. So Peter still he still has problems. He's still not perfect. But, you know, God doesn't write him off, right? So this is true for you too, and me too. Just because our relationship with God is not perfect, just because I'm not as honest and open and vulnerable with God as, as maybe I should be, or maybe God wants me to be, it doesn't mean that that's it, it's over, right? This is a progression. God is going to continue to work with you. Just as God continued to work with Peter. According to church history, as best we know, Peter was one of the many apostles who was martyred for his faith. And by the time that Peter is martyred for his faith, his faith has grown to such a degree and his honesty and openness and vulnerability has grown in such a degree that he says, okay, you're going to crucify me, which is what they were going to do. Don't crucify me. Upside up, because I'm not worthy of being crucified in the same way as my Lord. So according to church history, he was crucified upside down. Now, I'm not recommending that you go out and get crucified upside down or upside up. At the same time, it's a testament to how Peter's relationship with Jesus grew. So brothers and sisters, our relationship needs to grow too. We need to be vulnerable and honest with our God who after all knows everything anyways. We need to be dependent utterly and totally and completely upon Him because that only after all reflects reality. And we need to do so 
we need to do so not only because God commands it, but also because it is so good and right for us. It is what we need. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for this story about your interaction, Jesus, with Peter. We thank you so much for the evidence it shows of the kind of relationship that you that you want from us, that you demand from us, not not because of your greediness or selfishness, but because it is right and good and proper. You are our creator and we are your created. And this is what you created us for, but also because it is it is good for us. And it reflects the reality in which we live. And so, Lord, if our relationship with you is not as intimate and vulnerable and honest as it ought to be, which it is not, then please forgive us, O God. And please help us. Lord, we are so grateful for your patience with Peter and we are so grateful for your patience with us. Oh God, please work in our hearts through the power of your Holy Spirit and through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the power of the Father. Work in our hearts to grow us closer to you so that our relationship will not be one of cosmic insurance or one of two independents casually working alongside one another or or, or one of <laughs> anything false. But rather, O oh God, that we would willingly and humbly and honestly and vulnerably submit our everything to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.